Hey, it's Callie, and you're listening to the Hippie Haven podcast. Every Wednesday, I interview experts and everyday people on how they live an ethical and eco-friendly lifestyle and how you can too. Previously, we've covered topics like how to go zero waste, environmental activism, vegan parenting, preventing food waste, secondhand shopping, urban beekeeping, starting an eco-business, and so much more. My goal is to inspire you to take action, both in your day-to-day routine and on a larger scale of combined advocacy, because I believe that together we can make a difference in saving the planet. If you haven't already, be sure to hit that subscribe button so that you automatically get each new episode right when it comes out. Today, Sabrina Katz of at Sustainable Sabs on Instagram is back on the podcast as my guest co-host. This episode was recorded during an Instagram Live we did together on February 4th, where we answered audience questions, busted some common zero-waste misconceptions, and just generally chat about various sustainability topics. You can find the show notes for this episode, including a full transcript and links to everything we mention at www.ahippieinavan.com forward slash 025. One of our wonderful sponsors today is Luna Pads. Luna Pads is a female-owned and operated company whose reusable menstrual products have prevented 20 million disposable pads and tampons from entering landfills every single year. Luna Pads offers a sustainable solution for every period, no matter what your flow, from reusable liners and pads to period underwear. There's even a matchmaker quiz on their website to help you pick the right solution for you. You can save 15% off your Luna Pads order by visiting lunapads.com and using the code HIPPIE, that's H-I-P-P-I-E, at checkout. And now for today's episode. I put out a like Instagram question on my stories um, a couple days ago and asked you guys if you had any specific questions. Um, one of the questions that I got was how to deal with family members who ask you how you're saving the planet if you still fly on airplanes or make other dismissive comments that um, your efforts don't really matter because everything's just kind of pointless or cancels each other out in the end. So like recommendations on what to say to those family members and how to handle those types of situations. Sabrina, do you have any thoughts on that? I would kind of go off saying, talking about the ripple effect, because I don't think we acknowledge it enough. And I definitely don't acknowledge it enough because sometimes I feel frustrated that, you know, I'm not able to do more or the impact that I have is so small. But if I really think about it, the ripple effect of like me inspiring people or me doing something and somebody else seeing that and them changing their habits or them making a sustainable choice that like continues to reach out to more and more people. So let's say, you know, the other day I posted a recipe for oat milk. So several people have responded and uh, told me that they've made oat milk. So if five people saw that post um, and they made oat milk, then what if five of their friends saw their post about oat milk and then everybody, you know, started switching to non-dairy milk instead of regular, oops, instead of regular milk. So yeah, that's my soup. (laughs) Um, Then it ends up making more and more of a difference. So I know very often we feel like our voice is so small, but I think with social media, it's been, it's a really great way for you to easily reach a larger audience. Um, and like form a community of people who share similar values to you. And, um, you know, hopefully as this movement continues to grow, more and more people will be more inclined to make uh, more sustainable choices. Yeah, definitely. I can't remember the exact quote, but I'm sure most of you have probably heard it about um, like never doubt that uh, a small group of people can change the world because they're the only ones who ever have. And yeah, there's definitely so much involved in zero waste. And, um, but the only way that we're even going to get started is if we all speak up and and put our voices together. Um, Because like, consumerism, capitalism, for example, it runs off supply and demand. So eventually enough of us you know, not demanding certain things or demanding other alternatives is going to make a difference. And I think we're already starting to see that in the way that like, for instance, like 2019 is the year of the vegan and, and all that, like people, it's becoming a thing and people are aware of it. And even if they might not be plant-based or vegan themselves, like there's so many more options today than there was two years ago or 20 years ago. 
And then going off of that, like, I know people are saying that Loop is greenwashing, and obviously they are, but the fact that such a huge corporation is listening at least to a very small extent and saying, hey, we hear that you guys don't like all the plastic packaging. So the fact that they're doing something, hopefully more and more companies will follow suit and realize, okay, we, we need to make better alternatives and better choices so that our oceans don't have more plastic than fish in the next 30 years. Question about socioeconomic privilege in this movement and everyone disregarded the topic. It made me feel powerless bringing up uh, and just five Instagram influencers telling me that it doesn't exist. Okay, well, it definitely does exist. Um, I'm sorry that you were shut down like that, Oren. Um, There are so many privileges uh, that being zero waste or that like if you are able to be zero waste, there are so many privileges you have to have. First off, um, obviously socioeconomic privileges. While in many ways living zero waste, you can save a lot of money. There are a lot of ways where it's a lot more expensive. Um, obviously growing, going to the farmer's market is going to be a lot more expensive than going to the corner store, um, and getting non-organic fruits and vegetables. Um, there's like physical access, um, accessibility privilege to, you know, be able to find a bookstore or be able to, um, you know, find zero waste products in, in a place that you live, or even if you live somewhere, you have to take like two city buses to get somewhere and it takes you two hours. It's exactly. Um, and then, uh, um, able-bodied privilege. So, um, the fact that I'm able to bring a bunch of jars to a bookstore and carry, you know, 20 or 30 pounds worth of produce and, um, ingredients all the way home with me. Like there are people who aren't physically able to do that. That's another, um, privilege. So there's definitely a lot of, you know, a lot of barriers to zero waste living and that needs to be acknowledged. And, um, you know, as a result, not everybody can or has the ability to live this way. And there's also, you know, the education aspect of it. Not everybody knows um, about zero waste living and it's, um, it's not anyone's fault necessarily, but as we, as this movement grows, hopefully more and more people will start to learn about it. And then hopefully corporations who we should be putting the pressure on and not each other will um, create the infrastructure that allows us to facilitate a more sustainable lifestyle. Yeah. Um, Polly of Green Indie Blog, who I think might still even be watching, she has a really great article. That's something that you guys are interested in reading about privilege. And if you are privileged, being able to use that privilege to make zero waste be more accessible to others without those same accesses. Um, And her website, it's greenindieblog.com. And then you can just like search privilege on it or it's greenindieblog.com forward slash make hyphen zero hyphen waste hyphen accessible. And she, Polly, I love all of her blog posts. She goes so in depth and you can tell that she spends like probably days researching these things. So that is a really great resource. Um, Let me see. One of the next questions that I got was being reserved about your eco choices or uh, being self-conscious about bringing your reusables somewhere and, and having to ask, you know, can you put my leftover containers or whatever into those um, and not being in your journey yet or not just not feeling comfortable being any sort of like eco warrior. Polly, you are famous AF. We love you. So the question was how to feel comfortable asking people to accommodate you and your reusables and your zero waste choices, feeling comfortable talking about what you're doing with friends and families. And then also just that it's okay to not be an eco-warrior. Not everybody has to um, spend their time promoting it. Not everybody's able to spend their time doing that. Yeah. um, I think that, well, first of all, in terms of being confident enough to ask people to, you know, take your reusable containers and that kind of stuff, that just comes with practice. And I've definitely become very shameless in my... (laughs) bringing my own utensils and saying, oh, hey, no, I don't need, I don't need any, um, paper napkins. I'm all good. Um, so 
you know, as you get more used to it, it kind of just becomes second nature and you kind of just brush it off at that after after it happens. Yeah. And I think it depends on on your comfortability level. Maybe going somewhere that you've been multiple times where they recognize you and you've sort of like built up a hey, how are you with them? That might be the best way for somebody if they already have that connection to start asking for reusables. Or for other people, it might be easier to go somewhere where you've never been before and you have no idea who they are. They're a total stranger and, and asking them to, to build that confidence level for yourself. So it's just going to depend on what you're comfortable with. Um, and then in terms of, um, you know, talking to other people about, you know, sustainability, I have learned that it's far more you'll be far more successful in helping people change their habits by allowing them to come to you because people don't want to be told what to do. Nobody ever wants to be told, oh, hey, you're doing something wrong because you just get defensive about it. And when you make, when you've learned something for yourself and you educate yourself on something and you make a change, not for anybody else, but for, to make yourself feel good and feel empowered, that's the way that people are going to change. Um, and so instead of, you know, I try not to really bring stuff up too much and to, unless somebody asks me about it, like, oh, hey, why, why are you doing this? Or like, why are you doing that? Um, so I think it's just a matter of um, quietly inspiring people. That's kind of how I like to think of it. Planting a seed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I like you're never gonna get somebody to just like change what they do or change their habits overnight but leading by example um Dominique at Sustainable Shorty wanted to know our skincare routine deeds so (laughs) Sabrina what's your skincare routine it is very minimal um I only really started having a skincare routine like a couple months ago but Aside from just washing my face, I'll just use uh, the regular bar of soap that I use in the shower. Um, I also will say, will preface this by saying I have, um, I like genetically am like have fairly non-acne prone skin. So my skin is like, you know, not everybody has the same as me. So I, I, I guess a normal bar of soap works for me, but it might not work for everyone. Um, and then for moisturizer, I just use a couple of drops of argan oil after I wash my face um, and then just wash my face once a day. So that's my, oh, and then in terms of like lotion and stuff, I'll like use lotion on my legs and arms like once a day or every other day, uh, especially during the winter in New York. <laughs> it's very cold. Oh my gosh. Coming to South Dakota from like super humid Georgia and then here where it's like negative temperatures, my skin is so dry right now. Oh my God. Yeah, I unfortunately do not have Sabrina's wonderful genes. So I've had acne for 15 years now. I started breaking out when I was 10 and it's gotten so much better. I definitely went through a period of time as a teenager where it was like really severe cystic acne. Um, but yeah, it's gotten so much better when I started eating plant-based, stopped using a whole bunch of like the drugstore toxic products because I tried everything, like everything you could possibly find on the drugstore. I went to a dermatologist. None of it ever helped my skin at all. Um, And that's actually how I started my business, Bestowed Essentials, was the only thing that really helped my skin. And this was before I went plant-based too and and cutting out dairy, which helped a lot. was I tried a handmade bar of soap and it helped my skin so much. And so that got me into looking at the ingredients in skincare products. And I'm like, what the fuck is some of this? Like, what am I putting on my skin? And so I started making my own products. And so my skincare routine is pretty simple now, but it's not just like how I wash my face or like what I'm putting on my face. There is so much more that goes into it of like, what are you eating? Are you hydrated enough? My stress level affects my skin. My period, I always break out that time of the month. Um, So I just wash my face with like, I just use a damp washcloth in the mornings and like, I don't even use soap um, most of the month unless it is that one week. Um, 
Never tried proactive. Yeah, I tried proactive. I was on it for like two years. Oh my gosh. It like dried my skin up so much. It was like flaky, cracked. It was awful. Awful. Um, when I am breaking out, I'll use um, my Dead Sea Mud and Tea Tree Oil soap from like I make it, I use it, I sell it um, because that helps. And then right now I'm testing a turmeric spot treatment. So I've been putting that on, washing my face again in the evening, putting that on. Um, and that seems to be helping so much with like reducing acne scars. Um, I'm wearing makeup right now because I had a TV interview earlier and that's like the only time I wear makeup like maybe three or four times a year. And this just coincidentally happens to be one of those days. Um, otherwise, I don't wear makeup and, and not wearing that has helped a lot as well. I'm 100% certain that I'm going to wake up tomorrow with breakouts because I'm wearing makeup today. And that's just a sad fact of how it is. So I've just gotten used to this is how my skin is. I know what causes it. So I know what to avoid when possible, but life happens. So just trying to keep it manageable. So yeah, that's my skincare routine. <laughs> Sorry, um, lotion. I've been using Stevie Ye's Yay for Earth lotion um, out here in South Dakota, South Dakota. Normally I don't really use lotion at all, but just with how cold it is, I needed something and saw that it had such good reviews. And it's not like, I've seen some reviews that are like, oh my God, this is a miracle. It changed my entire life. And that hasn't happened for me, but it keeps my skin from getting really dry. So like it does its job for me. Um, I just wanted to reiterate what you said about, um, it's not just about what you put on your skin. Um, definitely since I started um, eating vegan, it's my skin has gotten a lot better. Um, and so I notice that I notice like if I drink alcohol, sometimes my skin is not great. Um, and when I eat too much like greasy food, my skin is not great. So eating plant-based um, also really, really helps with your skin. So. Yes. Not wearing makeup, cutting out dairy, staying hydrated, trying to reduce your stress levels, not putting, yeah, water definitely, not putting a lot of stuff. That's, that's what seems to work best for me. Um, all right. Chantel Shepard asked about cooking without food waste. Um, and a second question, but cooking without food waste is what we'll get to first. I have a tiny, tiny, tiny fridge. Um, it's the one that I use in my camper van that has to run off my solar panels. So it's like a conversion fridge. Oh my God, you have solar panels? Yeah. I'm in love. Yeah. Yeah. My little like house in the back, it's all, all the electricity is, is from solar. So that's how I power everything. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so with such a tiny fridge and no freezer and limited pantry space, it means that I have to like be very conscious about what I'm buying. I can't buy extra stuff more than what's going to fit in there. I have to go grocery shopping several times a week, which I know absolutely is not doable for some people, but that's, that's what works for me. And it gets me to eat more fruits and vegetables because I am going grocery shopping every few days. So I like have the time to eat them before they go bad and then buy new ones. Um, yeah, I, my biggest tip is just, I'm kind of forced into limited food waste because I have such limited storage space. So I, I can't really answer that. Maybe Sabrina can. <laughs> um, definitely the, fr if you have a freezer, your freezer is your friend. Um, as soon as I feel like something is wilting or looking not great, I'll freeze it. I won't freeze everything, but hearty greens like kale, um, collard greens, radish tops, uh, carrot tops, all that kind of stuff is very easily freezable, as is a lot of fruit like bananas or mango or um, obviously, I mean, I don't buy a ton of those because they're kind of tropical fruits, so I'm not trying to buy them too much, but there's a lot of stuff that's easily freezable as well as things like bread um, and then cooked beans and like soups and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so you can freeze up so it doesn't go bad um, if you aren't able to get to it in time. Um, other ways to like keep your food fresh, I would say things with roots or stems. You can put the stems in, wa in water in the fridge. So kale stems, uh, Swiss chard, carrots, uh, radishes, things that... Um, yeah, as long as you leave them in water in the fridge, they'll stay really hydrated and plump and like crispy even after a week. It's really, really nice. And I 
And if I've definitely done experiments before, and when I don't do that, my food starts to wilt very quickly. So uh, that's a recommendation. And then don't go shopping as much as possible until you until your fridge is empty. If you, if you can manage that, because if you have a bunch of stuff in your fridge and you keep buying new stuff, then you'll kind of forget about the stuff that's getting a little sad or a little wilty. And you obviously you'll want to eat the new stuff because it's nice and fresh. So try to finish everything in your fridge if you can and then go shopping. Celia from Litterlist and I have done a podcast episode about food waste. Um, one of her tips that I thought was a really genius idea was um, to have like a bin in your fridge and like label it like eat me first and to put everything that's going to go bad in there, whether it's fruit or leftovers and everything. So that way, you know, when you open the fridge and you're hungry, grab something out of that bin to try to use things up instead of them going bad and having to throw them away. And then there's just like the super basics like turn apples that are going bad into applesauce or bananas into banana bread or um I think you can make like pesto uh out of like carrot tops right or like kale or you can add like a lot of green vegetables and make some sort of like pesto out of it I actually just wrote a blog post today for the Wally shop about how to make uh pesto with pretty much anything in your in your pantry and fridge so yeah, I think you can kind of just Google like how to use extra or leftover or whatever, and you'll find dozens, if not hundreds, of ideas for that. Chantel's second question was um, zero waste travel abroad. And I have not traveled abroad um, since going zero waste, so I don't have any personal experience. Have you traveled overseas at all? I have. Um, I The most difficult thing that I encountered while traveling zero waste is finding compost bins. It's so difficult because uh, in a lot of other countries, they just don't, you know, either they either don't have compost or they don't know about it, or if they do, it's in like people's backyards and I don't have access to people's backyards. So um, when I went to France, I didn't really have a drop-off, compost drop-off. You went to France? Yeah, my family's French. So I actually, I mean, I stay with my grandparents, but they don't have a compost bin. So I I know, I think Ariana from Paris to go told me a, a place to drop it off, but I just, I was traveling for so short and didn't have enough time to drop it off there. But so that being said, compost is difficult, but there are ways to prevent uh single-use plastic. So when I did travel to France, I brought a mason jar, which is very versatile. I used it for water, for food, like take, uh, if I went out to eat a meal and then I had food to bring, to bring back to where I was staying, I would put it in the mason jar, uh, use it for coffee, use it for so many different things. So would definitely recommend bringing some sort of jar, uh, cloth napkin, reusable cutlery. It doesn't have to be bamboo, but if you're traveling on plane, I think you're not allowed to bring a metal knife. I don't know if you're allowed to bring a metal fork, but just be aware of that. So if you have bamboo cutlery, that is one good thing about that. And then if you use straws a lot, I guess bring a reusable straw, but pretty much my go-tos are mason jar, bamboo cutlery, cloth napkin. Oh, and then a reusable bag so you can carry things. There's a relatively new app that I just heard of called Share Waste that you can download. And it shows you people um, with compost piles and or chickens all over the world that are willing to accept your food scraps. So like I said, it's still pretty new. So there's not a lot of options on there. But please try downloading it. If you have a compost bin or chickens, like add yourself as as somebody who's willing to accept food waste. So that way, like we can kind of like you know, try to build that up and, and get kind of, I guess it falls into like a sharing economy if, in, if it's sharing your food waste. Um, yeah, I'd love to see that become more successful because, yeah, traveling, not even just traveling abroad, but just traveling around the United States in my van, it can be really hard sometimes to find composting. So, I mean, there's some like in the U.S., there's like Whole Foods or some natural food co-ops will accept um, your compost or community garden 
for all of that. But yeah, the share waste app is definitely going to be my go-to, especially as it grows. So y'all should get on that too. A quick word from our sponsor. Little Lentil is an online marketplace for organic and sustainable baby clothing. They use certified organic cotton, fair labor practices, 100% renewable energy, and they support environmental initiatives as a member of 1% for the planet. You can cut down on textile waste by sending back your outgrown Little Lentil clothes and get 15% off your next purchase. Their Loved Again program offers those pre-loved quality organic baby clothes at over half off the price of new items. Shop their new and pre-loved sustainable baby clothes by visiting littlelentilclothing.com and use code HIPPIE20 at checkout to save 20% off your first order. Um, Okay, now getting into our common zero-waste misconceptions. So... Um, and we kind of, you were just kind of talking about this sort of. So one of the big misconceptions is that you need to buy a ton of new things to go zero waste. Like, oh, you need to have a set of bamboo utensils or cloth produce bags or metal tiffins instead of reusing what you already have or shopping secondhand. Um, like, yeah, if you want to go on a plane, you might need bamboo utensils versus metal since they might not be let through. But if you're just out and about, not like traveling by plane or anything, can you just grab some silverware out of your silverware drawer and wrap it up in a cloth napkin or a handkerchief that you already have and take it instead of needing to buy a brand new one? Um, Cloth protos bags, maybe that's something that you're not quite ready to buy yet. You can always wash and reuse the plastic produce bags that you've gotten in the past. You know, there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's totally acceptable. I don't think, I don't, I haven't heard of any stores saying that you can't do that. They're not even really going to notice, probably. (laughs) So, or you don't need, like, metal tiffins. They're super cute and, like, super Instagrammable. But you could also just use the Tupperware that you already have or, you know, your old pasta sauce jar instead of needing to buy a new set of matching mason jars. Yeah, I noticed that. So there are a couple things that I have that I regret buying. Um, Probably the bamboo... (laughs) cutlery I could have really could have done without those um and then I have metal straws that this company sent them to me so I didn't pay for them but I definitely could have I probably should have refused uh because I actually never use straws so there's that I have a bajillion cloth bags so I probably don't need to keep buying more because well first of all I you know kind of just accumulate them, but I could just as easily use uh, plastic bags that we had from before. So definitely zero waste is about, it's not about buying the zero waste thing. It's about not buying anything. So as much as possible. And if you do need something, check your local thrift store. I found so many good things. You can, if you want cloth napkins or handkerchiefs or whatever I they're very likely going to be at the thrift store Um, there's a lot of things that you're going to be able to find there and so keeping those things out of the waste stream they've already been made they're probably going to be cheaper than buying them new so shopping secondhand is if it's available to you probably the better option than buying something new And that kind of leads into the second misconception of that going zero waste is expensive. And I think it definitely can be if you're buying a lot of new things, but it can also save you a lot of money if, like we said, you're reusing things, buying less overall, um, shopping secondhand, buying unpackaged if possible. Packaging generally accounts for 10 to 15% of the total cost. So if you are able to get it in bulk, you might very likely be saving money on it. So zero waste does not have to be expensive. It, it's really what you make of it. Like you get to decide what zero waste is for you and how it fits into your life best. Definitely. And I found that I, you know, just in going zero waste, I buy a lot fewer things. And so just in not buying things like going, you know, oh, I feel like I need a new top or something. Like already I'm saving money on not buying new clothes all the time. I used to be a shopaholic and had a closet and a huge dresser filled with clothes. And now I think I have like 30 garments that I absolutely adore and wear all the time. And I don't feel the need to 
continue adding all the time at, you know, every new season, every time a new trend comes out because they're like timeless pieces that I can wear all the time and never really go out of style. So uh, definitely save money on clothes. Always buy things second. I always buy things secondhand as much as possible. And then other ways I've reduced waste and also save money is like I bring my own lunch uh, to work all the time instead of doing takeaway or going out to lunch. Um, that helps save a lot of money. Preventing food waste saves money because if you know one quarter of everything you buy ends up going to waste, you're saving all of that money or saving that from going to landfill. So um, lots of ways to save money while being zero waste. As you said, lots of ways to spend more money being zero waste. There are many things that do end up being more expensive, like a stainless steel razor, um, reusable dish brushes. Uh, So not everybody has the ability to buy those things. Um, But if you do have the ability to buy the means to buy those things, in the long run, it usually ends up saving you money. It's just the upfront cost. It is. Yeah, they cost more, but they last a lot longer. Definitely, definitely can be an investment. But okay, you posted on your stories. Are you going to be doing another of the 10 by 10 challenges? And what is that? I don't know why I, you know, every like, I think 90, 98% of the people <laughs> voted said yes. And after I did it, I, I realized when I was thinking back to my first one, I was like, wow, I actually hated doing it because not not because I didn't like it but because taking pictures I always had to get somebody else to take the picture for me and it never turned out well but I'm going to do it um I'm not I don't know when maybe in the next couple of weeks I'll start it but I will probably do another yeah I'll I'll do another challenge what is it exactly oh okay okay yeah so it's a so you choose 10 articles of clothing to wear for 10 days. So uh, you kind of pick pretty minimalist pieces that work in different ways. So for my last 10 by 10 challenge, I had, you know, a black dress. I had uh, this tan colored shirt, uh, tur- blue turtleneck, the one that I'm wearing right now. And I just wore them in all different facets. And oh, so it includes all of your your you know shirts and tops and dresses and stuff, as well as any outerwear and then any shoes. So things that you are kind of flexible with are accessories, like if you want to wear a scarf or a hat or you know a watch or something that doesn't count. So yes, and it's ten days worth. So ten garments for ten days. But not including like socks or underwear. Correct, correct, yeah. Or accessories. Gotcha. It'll be interesting. I've never tried it, but I own so few clothes already and just kind of mismatch them. And on that note too, is like growing up, I always like I guess just thought, because that's how it was in my household, that like you have to change your clothes and wash your clothes every single day. And you really don't. If you're not getting your clothes dirty, like if you didn't spill anything on them if they don't smell bad if if they don't just like feel dirty then they don't need to be washed yet you can we rewear something for at least you know two days in a row and it's totally okay and I just didn't know that or like another example is your bathroom towels like you don't need a new towel after every shower you know you're you're getting out of the shower you're clean you're just like wiping off um clean water off of you so as long as it's drying between uses you yeah you don't need a new one every time so I think that's just one of the many aspects of zero waste is just kind of rethinking how you've always done things and realizing okay there might be a better way to do this or a more eco-friendly way to do this um next common zero waste misconception a lot of people's very first including mine very first introduction to zero waste is the mason jar and like you see the pictures, the really cute pictures on Pinterest of people with like a year's worth of trash in a mason jar. And um, so then you might have this misconception that like to be zero waste, you either have to make like literally zero waste, which is impossible, or at least you have to like fit all your trash into a mason jar. And that is so fucking unrealistic for most people. Like that's impossible. So reducing the amount of trash that you're making 
can and, and should be one of your zero waste goals. But the zero waste movement is about so much more than just trash. It's about like choosing the most ethical option, reducing what you're buying overall, reducing your carbon, carbon footprint. Um, and, you know, maybe if, if it's something that you are interested in doing, maybe part of your zero waste, um, part of you being zero waste is you helping others to be as eco-friendly as possible. But um, trying to pressure yourself into getting all your trash to fit in the mason jar might just burn you out and make things harder than it needs to be. So have you ever tried anything like that? Have you ever tried to get all your trash into a mason jar? I did it for like two months and then, and it was, I made a very, very small amount of trash, but I moved uh, apartments and then I had, I bought a new mattress and it came wrapped in plastic. (laughs) So that completely just undid all of my efforts. But that's the reason that I like the term low impact a lot more than zero waste is because technically speaking, you can go on a flight to Australia and bring all reusable, you know, utensils and bring your own food and stuff. And technically that's zero waste, right? But low impact would be not even taking the flight to Australia. So I think it puts us in a box and it makes us feel inadequate when in reality, the zero waste option might not be actually the most sustainable option. And that's one really, uh, one reason I like Polly. So another shout out to Polly is like she mentioned a while back in a post that she went to buy, she needed to buy Brussels sprouts. And instead of going the extra few miles to a store with package free Brussels sprouts, even, um, even though they were non wrapped in plastic, it would actually be less sustainable because she had to take her car and go that extra distance. And the emissions were not worth the plastic that would have been saved from that. So there's definitely, there's a lot to think about. Yeah. Um, also I will say, I think my phone's at 20% battery. So if it dies, actually I'm going to grab my charger, but, um, all right. Next misconception is that zero waste or low impact lifestyle can take, um, or it takes a lot of time. And I think it definitely can cooking your own food versus eating out, making your own household cleaners instead of buying them at the store, doing the research to find the most ethical or eco-friendly option instead of just like <laughs> instead of just grabbing the first thing you see at the supermarket. Um, it does require a time investment up front a lot of the times, but I think it does become easier over time as well once you just kind of get the hang of it and um, you just you learn things that you, you hadn't realized before and you start to consider different options and just kind of weighing what's the more eco-friendly option, but also like what fits into my lifestyle best. And that could change from day to day. You know, you might have the ability to do something one day and then the next day, like everything's chaotic and you just have to make the decision that's best for you at that time. So the next one, I guess we kind of already covered this is like having to carry a giant zero waste kit with you at all times. And like, you don't. You don't need to have this giant bag full of like all these different things. You know, if you know you're going out to eat, you could bring some Tupperware or whatever options that you have for like putting your leftovers in. Or if you know you're going out and you want to bring your reusable straw, then bring it. But you don't need to have a giant bag full of like your zero waste kit every single time you leave the house. Um, or another option could be if you have a car, you could have some of your necessities in the car so that way you can grab them when you need them, but you don't have to be carrying them, like lugging them around, causing shoulder pain all day long. Yeah, definitely. That's why um, my go-tos are super versatile things. So like a cloth napkin and a mason jar and a bag, because you can probably fit, you can definitely fit all of that stuff in a small tote bag, but it doesn't need to be so much more weight that than what you're already carrying so instead of a mason jar if you didn't want to bring that just um you know a plastic tupperware if you plan on going out to eat and then um a cloth napkin usually doesn't weigh too much so uh it doesn't have to be this huge big heavy thing just kind of throw stuff into your bag as you're walking out of the walking out of your place um and then once you keep doing it over and over again it just becomes habit for you so 
um, it gets easier. <laughs> yeah, and those versatile items like a cloth napkin can be used at first when you leave the house to like wrap up some of your silverware that you grabbed out of the kitchen to bring with you. And then you can use that to wipe your face instead of using a regular napkin or you could use it to blow your nose or you can use it after you use the bathroom to dry your hands off instead of using a paper towel and then throwing it back in your bag. So things that can be used for multiple things or like mason jar. You can put your leftovers in it. You can get coffee or tea. You could put your compost, your food scraps to take back to your house. Like, yeah, there's so many different options. So you don't need to have a different product that you bought brand new for every single different thing. You buy things or not even necessarily buy things, reuse things that can be used for multiple different um, functions. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, I love this one. I hate it. I don't love it. I hate it. Um, there's no point in caring because the planet is already doomed. Um, that's okay. So I just read this book uh, and I talked about it a lot on my Instagram called This Changes Everything. And it definitely got me into that mood of, like feeling like nothing I did was making a difference but we have to realize that as individuals we all have a choice every single day you know we wake up we can we even if it's something as simple as like bringing a mason jar it seems very simple but we have to as I mentioned before acknowledge the ripple effect so other people are going to see that Hopefully other people are going to be inspired and want to make a more sustainable choice. And, you know, clearly already it's having a difference. So we are seeing uh, companies that are listening to us who uh, are, you know, offering things made with like, you know, it's not the best, but recycled clothing made of recycled plastic bottles and um, Loop that's offering all reusable starting to offer reusable containers, the Wally shop, which um, is offering everything in reusable and returnable uh, jars and bags and all of that stuff. So um, we just have to keep making our voices heard and uh, definitely social media is helping to reach the people that need to hear us. So I'm very excited to kind of continue seeing how this landscape is shaping out in the next couple of years. Yeah, and it's absolutely not for everybody, but if you see um, a lack of something, something that you have a solution for, if it is possible for you, if it's something that you're interested in, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, but maybe you could be the person that solves that problem in your local community. And I mean, that could be so many different things. Even if it um, starting a zero waste like meetup group in your community, starting a community garden, start your own zero waste store, do something like the Wally shop where you're offering like uh, zero waste package free grocery delivery. If there's no like a composting solution in your town, start a compost pickup service, you know, like I said, totally not for everybody, but for some people... Maybe it is. And maybe you are that change maker in your community. And I think there is absolutely a point in caring. I Like, yeah, the planet's pretty fucked, but we that doesn't mean we should just give up hope and just be like, oh, well, whatever. I don't care. I do think we need to care. I think that's the only way that anything is going to change. And... Yeah, we have two homes. We have our body and we have our planet and we should be taking the best care possible of both of them. So don't give up. <laughs> it gets hard sometimes, definitely. And once again, Polly, another shout out because just love her. She did a video recently on, and I think it's, I think it's on her YouTube channel. I'm not sure though, about burnout, like sustainability burnout and talked a lot on that topic about what to do and how to process and how to overcome it when you're just feeling like there's no hope left. Okay, next one is I recycle. Isn't that good enough? Um, my thoughts are like, yes and no. I'm not here to tell you how to live your life, but you know, just offer suggestions if you're open to hearing them. If you don't have the time, energy, and or ability to like go in depth into zero waste, it's totally understandable. Um, 
if you do have the privileges that allow you the opportunity but you choose not to care, then that's a different story than not being able to. Recycling is not um, is not a solution. I don't even think it's part of the solution. I think recycling is part of the problem because the lack of education around it, if we think, you know, we don't even know necessarily what we can actually throw in our blue bin. So we just throw everything that we think we can in there and then we don't really know where it goes or what happens to it next. And yeah, I, I, I think recycling is not necessarily a great thing. It's, I don't know. It's a hard thing to. Yeah. It's, and it's so funny because whenever I tell people I live zero waste, they're all like, uh, a lot of times people say, Oh, you know, I recycle, I recycle all my stuff and it's like, okay. Um, but it really shows a lack of education and, uh, not, you know, on their behalf, it's just we as a society are not taught that recycling isn't and shouldn't be the end-all be-all of sustainable living. And it's uh, hopefully as the zero waste movement grows, more and more people will realize, oh, hey, you know, it's actually um, not as difficult to reduce my waste as I thought it would be. And there are ways that I can do it so that I don't even have to worry about recycling. Oh, I think Oh, I saw this post the other day that said something about wish cycling. And I think it's the idea of you recycling something and wishing that it just magically gets recycled. When in reality, only I think like 25% of what gets sent to recycling facilities actually does get recycled because of things like contamination and um, like sizes and things are not recycled in the proper bins. So it ends up ruining so much other stuff. And we just, you know, we just don't realize and we just keep wishing and hoping that it goes off into this beautiful land where it gets turned into something else when in reality it's never like that or almost never like that. And for plastics specifically, it's only 9% of plastics are actually recycled. And then with plastic, it can only, it's only downcycled. So it can only be recycled once, maybe twice before the quality is too poor to continue using. So it might be recycled once or twice, and then it's still ending up in a landfill or in the ocean um, where it doesn't biodegrade. It just breaks down into smaller parts called microplastics, which are ending up in the animals that we eat. It's ending up in our own bodies. It's ending up in the water that we're drinking. So, yeah, it's, it's a messy situation. It is. And there isn't... Because plastic was has only become mainstream and part of our day-to-day lives since like the 50s or 60s. And I obviously I wasn't alive back then, but I don't think they really like realized how it might end up the way it is today. And there's there's preliminary evidence, but there's no long-term testing on the long-term health effects of like plastic and and these chemicals in plastic being in our bodies and in our food supply chain um, because this is now becoming the long term like so yeah there's a lot that goes into it plastic is not bad plastic is not evil plastic is an incredible invention it's so durable the problem is the way that we're using it and the fact that we're using it for single use disposable items so we should be using plastic. Absolutely. Plastic has its applications in like medical situations and storing certain things and all of that. But for forks and plates and bags and these things that we use once and throw away, there's definitely better options. Uh, Sabrina, what are your thoughts on, I forget, I think there's a term for it, but I can't remember what it is. But what are your thoughts on like the leaving your plastic packaging at the grocery store to like make them be aware of it and have to throw it away for you. I understand the reasoning behind it, but I don't know how much of a difference. Actually, I don't think I would personally ever do it, but I, um, I definitely see the reasoning behind it. And I think that it's kind of an interesting guerrilla tactic for, for showing grocery stores and chains, the ways that they should take more responsibility for. I think to a larger extent, it should be, maybe it should be us reaching out to 
you know, it's more work for us as individuals to do, but we should be reaching out to companies, to the individual companies that are making that plastic, those plastic containers and bags and stuff. Um, I don't really see a use for it, but yeah, like I said, I don't know if I would ever personally do it, but it seems like an interesting, an interesting concept. Yeah, same. Like I totally see the reason behind it. Um, I wonder like if it actually does any good though, because realistically it's probably a minimum wage grocery store employee or cashier who has to deal with the trash that you're leaving behind. And they're the ones who has to like stop whatever they were doing with their normal job is to go throw it in the dumpster. Um, it's filling up in the trash either way, whether you're personally putting it in the trash can or they are. Um, and I, I don't even know if it's necessarily being brought to the manager's attention or if maybe the assistant manager on duty is aware that you did it, but are they telling the higher ups at these huge grocery chain stores about it? Like, is it even getting that far up or is it really just being really inconvenient to the minimum wage workers? So um, what are some of these comments? Um, grocery chains would require big companies to supply them with products and products. That would that would take a while to have more circular economy. Um, I think it would be more beneficial to reach out to higher ups instead of ruining a, a regular employee's day. Exactly. Yeah, I think instead of leaving your plastic packaging at the grocery checkout, um, take it, throw it away, and send an email, send a letter, send multiple communications to the corporate level to actually try to accomplish something. Yeah, and I think nowadays it's easier than probably it was even 10 years ago because you can just take a picture and post on social media and tag the companies and say, Hey, you know, I don't like that you're doing this or like DM them or, you know, get a bunch of people to tag them in a certain post and yeah, start a petition or, you know, create an email template um, and get as many of your friends and family to, to send emails to that company as well. Once again, Polly at Green Indie Blog has a great sample email templates for reaching out to companies. I think there's a theme here. <laughs> we love Polly. I'll be back next week with professional wormologist Anna De La Vega to answer every question you've ever had about composting with worms. If you find value in the Hippie Haven podcast, please share it with someone you know who'd be interested. Post about it on social media. If you're on Instagram, don't forget to tag me too. I'm at a hippie in a van. You can leave a review in iTunes or whichever podcast app you're using. And please consider becoming a patron of the podcast for just $5 a month to help me cover the cost of file hosting, editing, transcription for people who need or prefer visual content, and my own time of researching, drafting, recording, proofing, and promoting, which takes about six hours per episode. Visit patreon.com forward slash a hippie in a van to support the podcast with just $5 a month. Thank you all from the bottom of my heart for spending this time with me. I hope you have a great rest of your day.